0: Played back to the blue line once more. Near side for Gusev. Gusev in front of the goal, a shot scored! Oh, yeah, it's that Ritchie character again. Pretty basic. Top of the slot, get it to the net, and it sneaks through five hole. Bonesy and Ralphie with the call last night on TSN 1050. The Leafs smoke the abs six to two. And now sit at 4-1 and one, uh, with one game to go on their preseason ride, and that'll be Ottawa on Saturday in a week tonight. Guess what? Season opener, home and season opener. The Leafs against Montreal again at Scotia Bank Arena. All the action live here on TSN 1050. Welcome to Toronto Today. Jim Taddy reporting. Going to go over a lot of stuff in the next hour, of course. Then gameplay with Matthew Cause at 1 o'clock. Dave Vestchuk from the Toronto Star very shortly to go over the Leafs, where they are at. And also the Blue Jays and wildcard game last night. Interesting. Interesting at Fenway. Craig J. Button will stop by at 12.30. And, of course, the top 50 players in the NHL and the top five in women's hockey were debuted at 11 this morning Uh, i saw it on tsn5 so this is fresh it's just been released and uh, you'll see this uh of course replayed throughout the day but craig's gonna give us his list and we'll go over the consensus list and see where everybody stacks up it's intriguing because it sort of uh, takes things forward and anytime there's a list this uh, ensuing debate follows of course so 6-2 last night over the habs three-day bonding trip for the team in gravenhurst and then as i said the preseason finale against the Sens on Saturday. Some cuts announced prior to and after the game last night, and I'm going to qualify all this. First of all, I'm going to tell you that uh, Hutchinson was put on waivers yesterday, and sometime in the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to find out if he clears, uh, and there's an interesting I guess, motivation here. Obviously, you're going to need him as your third string goalie with NHL experience, and there's you know, two ways to go at this. You either keep him to the end and try and sneak him through when everybody else is putting their third goalies up, or or you do it now when there's still games left and time left and, and perhaps nobody needs a third-string goalie at this particular point. It, it's always a bit of a chance. And, you know, if you lose one at this point, you can always get one back. So we'll see. We'll keep you posted on that. But the rest of these are non-waiver uh, assignments to the Marlies. And the I guess the the one that sort of is out... It's actually two outside of this. Gusev was just not offered uh, his... They, they just uh, terminated his PTO, not offered a contract, and so he is gone. Uh, the same goes for... Josh Hosang, who was offered uh, an AHL contract and he signed, so he's uh, got a one-year contract with the Marlies. So what, what that means is, is that his contract doesn't count in the least fifty. They're allowed fifty contracts, uh, so they would have to add him at some point if they feel that he uh, there's a, there's an opening for him on on the NHL roster. But but it, it is the best move, and when you consider that Nick Robertson was also sent down yesterday as well. Then you have uh, a situation where the Marlies are going to have a really good hockey team. Uh, Hollowell was also sent down. Rubens, who you saw last night. Uh, Kiva Home who we've seen in the past. There's no question about it. The Marlies are going to have a very good team this year. And uh, this is sort of like a a third tier uh, that the Leafs can go to should all their their possibilities on the left side and and on the third and fourth line don't work out. And there's extreme depth there. There's no question about that. We talked about it uh, yesterday in terms of the flexibility there. And you saw Nick Ritchie last night, and, and so you're thinking, uh, well, uh, I don't know exactly what happens here, but, uh, you know, obviously the guy is a, is a force on that top line, albeit with uh, Semyonov as centering uh, Marner, and, and Semyonov is an interesting guy as well. Uh, brings a lot to the table don't really see him on the team just because there's numbers there but in another year uh, certainly if you go back two or three years you'd love to have this guy I don't know where he fits they'll tell us and and we'll see what happens here and, and you know maybe there's an injury problem we hope not uh, as the season starts and maybe there's a, there's an extra spot there but we'll see this, this, interesting time so they've done the majority of their work now they have they've got that one game on saturday as i said and generally speaking you'd like to see close to a starting lineup in that game because again they don't play again until wednesday when they kick off the Season the the NHL season actually starts on the Tuesday night with a couple of games, so we're turning the corner and heading for the finish line in preseason hockey. Baseball last night, Boston six two over the Yankees. There was that horrendous uh, play at the plate, that uh, horrendous if you're a Yankees fan, uh, whereby Judge was trying to get home on what looked like a, a it was a double by Stanton, the double, no question about that. Uh, but they're trying to get him home. And he was smoked at the plate, and that seemed to be the turning point in the ball game. And, and I was watching the game. This was after the Leaf game, and the, the announcer said, you know, the Yankees really struggle with the bat against the Rays in the weekend and can't get it done tonight. And I'm thinking, oh, really, guy? Because when we go back to the, the probably the definitive moment for the Jays was last Thursday against the Yankees. You remember Robbie Ray in the sixth inning, and the Yankees went homer, homer, walk, homer. And that just left a sick feeling because you saw what they did to Ray. You saw what that game did to the Jays' opportunity for playoffs. In fact, you know, as we know, history tells us they won the next three games and it wasn't enough. So that was a mark, really, a line in the sand for the Jays. And oddly enough, for the Yankees, it's it's a different mark in the sand. It was the last time in the season that the Yankees' bats did their job in that kind of a fashion, in an inning, in a game, because when I look at their scores, uh, they lost to the Rays, what, 4 3. They lost 12 2. They won 1 nothing. So the Yankee bats were never the same after that. Interesting that it would cost the Jays, propel the Yankees forward into the big abyss. So that's where we are in that particular subject. Let's bring in Dave Festchuk now from the Toronto Star. Dave, welcome. How are you today, sir?
1: Mr. Taddy, couldn't be better. How about you?
0: I'm doing well. I just love this time of the year because there's so many things to talk about. Uh, and uh, let, let's uh, deal with the Leafs. Uh, from from where you sit right now, when you look at that roster, uh, how much better is this team than it was the one that finished last year in your mind?
1: Yeah, I don't think you can say it's any better. In fact, I would say it's worse. I mean, you know, the glaring hmm. glaring problem, Jim, to me is, is that you, you lost Hyman, obviously, who was a heart and soul player. A top, a top six staple who did a lot of things that you don't have guys doing on a regular basis, right? The, 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 this team, if you look at the criticism of this team internally, you know, after we look at the way Babcock saw it and was, you know, duly dismissed, and now we're seeing some behind-the-scenes stuff of how Sheldon Keefe sees it uh, and Brendan Shanahan sees it and Kyle Dubas sees it. Uh, you talk about killer instinct. You talk about – Grit and hard work. These are all the words, the phrases that have been the internal phrases that are brought up at the at the postseason, uh, you know, postmortems after disappointment after disappointment. Jim, you know, Hyman was that guy, and, and provided that in a way that very few guys do. Now, what you've done, in, you know, to try and compensate is you brought in a bunch of question marks. Uh, you brought, you know, you brought in your, you know, Michael Bunting and Nick, a Nick Ritchie, uh, and Andre Casha, uh, you know, a David Camp, and, and you're trying to build some depth with guys who clearly are not sure things in the way that Zach Hyman was always a sure thing. Uh, and so I think that's, that's exhibit A of why you're worse. You're worse because Zach, Zach is not around. And I think he brought something you didn't have on the blue line, uh, which was, you know, the ability and the willingness to occasionally you know, jam a stick into somebody's ribs. Uh, you know, of course, in a, in a league where cross checking, uh, was, was totally legal, it seemed, in certain areas of the ice. Although maybe we're going to see a crackdown on that in the early leg of the season. So without Bogosian, I think you're worse. And I think you're worse without Freddie Anderson, to be honest. I know Freddie had a tough year this past season in a contract year, not a great situation for him. But if you look at the vast body of work that he had in Toronto, I mean, you talk about a workhorse goalie who could get you a lot of regular season wins. There was nobody better in this league than Freddie Anderson doing that in a lot of ways. Certainly, I shouldn't say nobody better at getting the wins, but certainly nobody better at being available to play Uh, until, of course, the unfortunate ending. Uh, So I think you're worse without Freddie Anderson, and the the goaltending tandem is going to be a question mark to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with Freddie, you got to remember his nickname was Steady Freddie. So the Steady part is gone. Uh, I'm not saying that it couldn't be replaced, but but for now, there's a void that way. And, and clearly, with Hyman, if you had a list of what he did, uh, you'd be hard pressed to find it. Even in, in, in you know specifically with all the other people they have there. My my question is, uh, you know, when when we watched them play last night, anytime they looked like that over the last two or three years, they always won those games. I mean, last night's game, even though it's a preseason game, when, when they had the puck and when they were dominant, there's not much you could do about the Leafs. The question is, how do they play when they're not dominant, when they're all out, not allowed to, to play their style or flex their muscles? And, and, and that's where a Zach Hyman would come in. Uh, obviously, it didn't work in the playoffs. So if you had that list of what Zach Hyman brought to the table, uh, maybe the best guy who, who checks off not everything, but a lot of things, is, in my opinion, is Mikheyev. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, and McCabe certainly did. I mean, which is why I think, I think it was a bit of a shock to hear that he wasn't happy in Toronto over the offseason and requested a trade. Um, and I think it was a bit of a shock to, to think of the idea that this guy doesn't see this particular scenario with Hyman out of the picture, uh, and a massive gaming opportunity for whoever wants to grab it on the wing of either of the top two lines. I'm, I'm not sure how you couldn't see that as, a, as an incredible opportunity for a player of his skill set. You're right. Jim, and now McCabe, the problem with McCabe, as we all know, is that, you know, he scores last night great. Uh, but he, he, you know, he's played 12 playoff games for the Maple Leafs. He hasn't scored a goal despite, you know, a very, you know, decent handful of chances. Uh, you know, he had, what do you have, seven goals last year. And, you know, while shooting 100 plus shots, which was, I, I did the math a couple weeks ago, like nobody shot more shots and scored less goals, uh, in the NHL last season, Jim. So, the guy who's finishing touch is uh, is wanting, obviously, and maybe some of that luck. Maybe maybe the shooting percentage will come around. You know, maybe maybe he will uh, get the benefit of, uh, of, of the bounces this year, and maybe they'll start going in from. But don't forget, like uh, this is the guy who, in the previous uh, playoffs, where the Maple Leafs lost that five gamer to Columbus, you know, McKay was the the MVP of the mini before. He had five goals on Freddie Anderson. Don't forget. And then, of course, came up blank when the, when the uh, Maple Leafs got to really used a goal against Columbus. So I'm with you. Like, he's the guy who has the most to gain from Hyman's absence. Whether or not he would be able to seize that opportunity is going to be intriguing to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of really decent, uh, I guess, conversation points here. McKay of last night could have had four goals. There's no question about that. He looked good. But my question for all this is, is, you know, you've got wingers auditioning on the left side. They're all NHL players. I, and that, that's not the debate here. We're, we're looking for the fit. So, so my question is, uh, wh- if Richie gets you 25 goals, do you need 25 goals over there? And does it cut into what's happening with the, the, the Rocket Richard, uh, trophy winner and, and the all-star right winger? I mean, wh- what is, wh- what exactly do you want there is my question.
1: Yeah, well, that's the question, right? And, and look, you, of course, you'd love 25 goals over there. Right? And and Hyman, Hyman was, was a guy who could provide something in that vicinity. And, and Richie's done it before, right? So that, so that's, you know, he he's a no-brainer as an as obvious candidate to take that spot. Now, the questions are, are going to be obvious as well. And, and one of those questions is speed. And, and you know, when you're playing yeah. with not only two of the faster guys on the team, uh, but also two of the faster-thinking players you're ever going to meet in the NHL, in Marner and Matthews, like, you know, will you be able to keep up pace? I mean, you know, there's a reason why, you know, he's not in Boston right now, right? So uh, there's a reason why he was available. and I think, you know, part of that reason might point to some of those, uh, you know, less than stellar qualities to his game. I'm not saying he's not Joe Thornton. You know, this is not like like as preposterous as it was that Joe Thornton started last season on the first line. We all know what that was in, in hindsight, right, Jim? That was – that was a show. That was, that was a PR move. That was like, maybe it was a sign of respect too, just to to show Joe Thornton that the Maple Leafs believed in Joe Thornton, even though we all knew that there was no, you know, there was no, there was no bloody way he was going to be able to hang on the first line at at this point in his career. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Nick Ritchie is a guy that, you know, if he comes out with and provides the upside that is clearly there, and if he sort of maximizes his potential and and what the Maple Leafs hope uh, his potential could be, uh, it could be a massive home run of a contract for the Maple Leafs.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, we both agree on this. When we're talking about pace of play, we're talking about uh, how fast you play and how fast you think. And then we're talking about defensive responsibility. Uh, th- that's that's a, a pretty tough void to fill, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because a lot of it comes down to just pure skating, right? Like. You got to be able to skate in this league. You want to stay above the puck, and you also want to be available for opportunities with, you know, elite players like Mike Marner and Matthews, Marner and Matthews. Or heck, maybe you're maybe you're maybe you're on the wing with Nylander and uh, and Tavares at some point. You know, it's part and parcel the same thing, right? Like you got to be able to you got to be able to make things happen quick. You got to be able to move quickly in transition. That's why Hyman, the athlete he was, the athlete he turned himself into, uh, in terms of you know a guy who was not. Not a particularly uh, highly recruited guy who went to Michigan for four years, nearly got run out of Michigan, and then kind of just by, through sheer hard work in the gym and on the ice with power skating coaches and the like, just turned himself into an elite skater. Uh, you have to be an elite skater. And I'm not sure, I don't think Nick Ritchie's scouting report uh, contains the word elite skater right so then we'll see how that plays out you know there are ways to compensate for that we know what they are Uh, can nick ritchie can nick ritchie find them on a regular basis is going to be the question
0: yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there. There are ways to compensate for that. And, and I think two of the biggest pluses that this team could have would be an exceptional penalty kill and an exceptional power play, and, and they have the people to do that. So let's first go to the power play. And obviously, uh, you know, we've seen bits of it in terms of the regulars in the right spot. What, what's your take on on the adjustments they've made and how good or or how much of a positive this could be?
1: Well, I like to- I liked what we heard last night, or, you know, i like what we've heard of late, including last night. And that is the idea that, you know, to me, the guy who's going to be the linchpin to any least power play, it's Mitch Marner. And the idea now that Mitch Marner is not necessarily, you know, kind of, you know, uh, cordoned off in one position on the power play. They were, there was, they, were, they were joking last night in some of the availabilities that, you know, Marner's making up his own position, which I, which I love to hear. Because I want to see if I'm, you know, the opposition, the thing that scares me the most is Mitch Martyr improvising. The thing that didn't scare me I'm the opposition was the predictability that the Maple Leafs kind of came with when it came to Martyr. He looked like a lot of times he was, you know, he was like a table hockey player who was kind of like sort of uh, like bolted to a slot on the ice that he would just go back and forth on along that half wall. Right. And there was no threat there because he knew he wasn't going to score there. He didn't have the shot to score from there. Very few guys do. And, you know, he, he just didn't provide a lot of unpredictability. Uh, and to me, that's Mitch Martyr's asset. Mitch skill set is he's got the creativity uh, combined with the hands and the, uh, the skill to make plays that you don't necessarily expect. So if I'm, you know, if I'm the opposition, the idea that the Maple Leafs are going to unleash some of that unexpectedness that they kind of fell out of, in my view, by trying to just constantly feed, you know, Matthews before the one timer and constantly just do the same thing over and over again, kind of pound their head against the wall. You know, that, that really bodes well for me, Jim. And look, there's a lot riding on this power play. Like this to me is a direct, this is about coaching. Right? This is, there's no hiding behind you know, your assistants, if you're Sheldon Keefe. You know, Manny Malhotra was in charge of that power play last year, allegedly, but, you know, we also heard rumblings that by midseason, when they struggled, you know, Manny Malhotra didn't necessarily get the call the shots on that power play, and rightly so. I think, the, you know, Sheldon Keefe is ultimately responsible. Sheldon Keefe should have had his hands on that power play when it struggled, but we saw what happened when he put his hands on that power play. It didn't improve, right? And, and it was it was abysmal for for the talent on the ice, uh, Collective talent on the ice to do what they did and, you know, fail to score a power play goal. What were they 0 for 7 in games 5, 6, and 7 of the playoff series against Montreal. You know, they get a couple of power play goals, Jim. They win that series, and they didn't make it happen. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, to me, that this is, you know, the power play is going to be, you know, a great measure of Sheldon Keith. I don't forget about Spencer Carberry. You know, he's i a, he's – a, uh, I'm a little flummoxed why you'd bring in a rookie NHL assistant And hand him that, you know, hand him that responsibility. This is Sheldon Keefe's responsibility to make this power play work, whether it's, you know, whether Spencer Carby's gonna get the credit or not. You know, Sheldon Keefe has to take this on himself, and will take it on himself. And it's gotta work, not only in the regular season, but when it matters, in the playoffs.
0: Okay, let's veer off into baseball, and, and Atkins and Shapiro will speak uh, today. And In fact, uh, Atkins will guest on Overdrive at 425 with the lads. So we'll look forward to what he's got to say. I, the biggest question would be, you know, they're at a fork in the road sort of financially, and this is a corporate decision. Do you think they come up with the money to, to re-sign Ray and or Semyon?
1: And or yes, I think I think they I think it's going to be or <laughs> I don't think it's going to be. Yeah. and. I think it's going to be. i mean, it's going to be one or the other. And, I, and if I'm guessing, if I'm if I'm kind of prognosticating correctly, I would imagine it's going to be Robbie Ray because I do think that you know the time honored baseball wisdom that, that you can't have enough pitching is is beyond true, and I do believe you know you can't have enough pitching as much as you know maybe last night's game uh, for the Yankees you know speaks to the peril of you know throwing a lot of money. At a starting pitcher, when you throw $324 million at Garrett Cole and he can't provide what you want in a, in a one-off playoff game, in a do or die, high, the highest stakes playoff game you can have in Major League Baseball and gets run out of the game uh, early. Maybe that is like the, the, the cautionary tale of why it's dangerous to put, you know, a lot of money on one guy. But if you, like the, to me, the alternative is not tenable either. Like you got to take that risk if you intend to be a contender. Because you know, like I was saying this on the morning show the other day, Jim. Like pitching is so unpredictable. Like who would have guessed that Garrett Cole would have got run out of that game so early last night? Maybe some people did. I personally didn't think. He, I thought he. I thought he'd be able to rise to the occasion. Clearly, there wasn't probably something right with him physically. But who also would have guessed at the beginning of this Blue Jays season, Jim? You know, who would have guessed that Robbie Ray would emerge as a Cy Young likely Cy Young winner? Uh, let alone a side young candidate. I mean, the number one starter for the Blue Jays as the season began, guess who it was? It was it was Hunjin Ryu. You know, and he ends up being your number five guy by the end of the season. So, you know, you got to have a lot of options is what I'm trying to say. You're on the mound. And you, you really just cannot afford to lose an option like Robbie Ray. As for Semyon, I think, it's you know, to me it's like, when he said late in the season that he wants to play shortstop, I think that answers the question that you're asking. I just don't see how he can play shortstop when on a team with Bo Um And I just don't see, given that he's obviously going to have plenty of suitors at very high numbers, I just don't see how uh, the Blues are going to make that one work.
0: Okay, so I mean, th- those are the two centerpieces. But I'm going to uh, 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 quote Laura Armstrong in the Toronto Star talking about. And this is an excellent point. Uh, do they look at extending or, or trying to get ahead of the curve on on some of their existing young stars? What do you think of that?
1: Well, I mean, we've all been waiting for the shooting drop on that, right? Like, I remember asking yep. a lot of the baseball insiders, the Buster Onlys of the world, who are, are more plugged in than anybody on that sport. Like, when when do you sign Vladdy? When you know when do you give that? what we know is going to be a, a, you know, a multi hundred million dollar contract to Vladdy. And, and I guess I guess the answer if you're a negotiator would be not right now, Jim. <laughs> you don't do it when he's you don't do it when he's coming off you know, an M V P. caliber season and I mean he would definitely be an M V P if not for, you know, the unicorn named Showy Atani. So um I, I don't know I, you know I thought, you know, it's easy to second guess things. You know, should they assign him after last season when he had a bit of a, a more of a struggle and I guess yeah, the, the consensus on that would be no you know it's it would have you know it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the moment because Vladdy wouldn't have wanted to sign a contract off of last season's stats of course he'd be more than willing to sign it now it seems to me though if you're the Blue Jays you want one more show me year It's like okay you got in shape this year you, you, you grew up you, you, you turned yourself into a pro athlete and not just in talent but in day-to-day work habits, uh, and you came to camp looking good, and and you played like it. But don't you want to see it again before you give them 300 plus million, Jim?
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. You, you want a bigger sample size. Absolutely. You, you'd never be wrong to, to suggest that. That's for sure. Uh, Dave, appreciate it. Thanks very much.
1: Hey, Jim, always a pleasure. Have a great day.
0: You too. Thank you very much. It's Dave Festcheck from the Toronto Star, sports columnist there, of course, and regular, regular contributor. He said... TSN 1050, especially on Toronto Today. i uh, just going to go over the Leafs situation. So uh, Hosang was signed to that AHL contract and as I said earlier, he's out of the 50 contracts. He's on an American Hockey League contract, not an NHL contract. That could be adjusted at any point. Really liked his camp. Uh, and you know, when we talked with Dave about pace of play, and, and again, it's two things. Physically, are you moving fast enough? Secondly, are you thinking fast enough? He checked both, both boxes. Uh, seemed to be really on the same same page with everybody there, and uh, you know. Then you know the other uh, concern is, is defense, um, and I, I liked what I saw out of him. Here's Sheldon Keefe on, on Hosang uh, with the Marlies and, and some cuts moving forward.
2: I was really impressed with Josh and how he handled himself here uh, all the way through the off season into camp, and I haven't had a chance here. You know, Kyle handled a lot of the things here, and obviously we had. You know, a lot going on here today, so I haven't had a chance to talk with him. But uh, through the camp, anytime I've spoken with him, just encouraging him with how he's handled himself and how he's played, how he's worked. He can tell that he's come here with a purpose of of looking to improve his game and looking to gain the trust of the organization and trust of the coaching staff. Uh, so he's certainly he made some inroads here with us at the NHL level. We think he's got some areas he's got to continue to 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 grow in, and and also with that. He's got to do the good things that he did here for a longer period of time. And, and, and that level of consistency is something we're asking from all of our players. Uh, and in Josh's case, that's, that's something there. So uh, for us to keep him, in, keep him in the organization, we're going to continue to monitor him, give him opportunities there. and know the Marlins are excited to have him. I think it's a really good and healthy thing for us to have him around, and I'm excited to see how he continues to progress.
0: Yeah, I think we're all on the same page on that one. Looking forward to what he does with the Marlies, and and at some point uh, during the course of a long 82-game season, would not be surprised to see him with the Leafs. Certainly a nice fit. It just has to sort of develop and and get some bugs out of his game and and just uh, be acclimated to the Leafs' system. Uh, I'm going to jump down a couple of uh, clips uh, to our our technical director, Chris, just a heads up. Uh, Let's talk about Nylander now. Uh, Penalty killing, two minutes and nine seconds last night. Uh, I'm intrigued by this guy because he really grew up last year and and the hope is is that there's more of that uh you know there's that challenge between him and Tavares to do the same to to take the next step you're maturing so let's get a little deeper on this and and you'd like to believe that matthews and marner could could do the same thing uh you know it's just a a logical step for them and and because it took nylander this long you know sort of a year ahead of the other two that that you'd like to see them develop that next layer obviously an all-star right winger and a rocket richard winning uh center of of course they they bring a lot to the table but we're talking about maturity here and doing the little things the leadership things And, and nylander took a step in that direction. Um, last year and maybe killing penalties I'm, I'm of two camps on um you know your core players the one that i favor is if they're your core players then give them all the responsibility on the ice now you have to earn that and i think they all have and, and so the next step would be Nylander killing penalties here's the coach on that
2: we saw a lot of growth in will's game through the second half of last season through the playoffs uh, his commitment defensively and when he when he's when he's uh, Focused and committed like like he was, um, you start to see his instincts uh, that he has, and the good stick that he has, and strong, strong hands, strong stick, um, and the quickness to be able to jump and read plays. So at the end of last season, you know, we had talked a little bit about, you know, the thought that will he will he might be able to kill penalties for us and give us some value there. I think you know, you know, came in and, and we talked about that and. He's had a a similar experience with some of the similar type players, Ajo and Carolina and stuff like that in in Carolina and uh, was fully on board with giving Will some time there.
0: Going to be interesting to watch that. One more issue before we break, and uh, that's Mitch Marner on the power play. I mean, we know the power play problem from last year. It just went from from great to to bad to worse, and let them down at the key moment. Uh, you heard what Dave Festchuk had to say. Then uh, you know Mitch Marner being able to sort of uh, freelance in his in his uh, air quotes bumper role on the power play is intriguing because he's a creative hockey player. So uh, how many times did I say this last year when the power play uh, didn't work? It was like they were following a script that that wasn't working, but they couldn't deviate from the script. Um, and so when you're doing that in, in, in a high-speed game situation, uh, you're stumbling around trying to make something work that probably you understand can't work. And guess what? The other team can read that in a half second. So it just goes from bad to worse. And and that would describe what we saw at the key moment. Morgan Riley in the power play and, and Mitch's role here.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mitch has uh, created his own position, which is nice. He's kind of, uh, but I mean, he's he's making it work. You know, he's he's just taking the available ice, and that's what we talked about. And I think tonight was good. Um, I think we all want to be better, and that's an area of the game where we need to be better. And we're taking that part of this camp extremely seriously. And you know, when we go out there to work on things, we're out there to improve and to prepare for the season. And I think there's been some good strides, and I think there's more room to go. But uh, I like where it's at.
0: Boy, this team with uh, great special teams, great penalty killing, great power play, look out. Craig J. Button is next. We're going to talk about the top 50 players that debuted on TSN earlier this morning. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, live on your radio, live streaming, podcasting, and on-demand and on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto through the iHeartRadio Canada app.
1: Now, back to Toronto Today.
0: Welcome back to Toronto Today. The top 50 is out. TSN's top fifty hockey players. Craig J. Button, one of many. I think there's twenty five people that that are in on the voting. Cheryl Bounder was in as well. And we talked to her about it yesterday, and Craig J. Button is here now. Mister Button, how are you today, sir?
3: I am good, Jim, sir.
0: <laughs> okay, we're, we're rattling the sabers already. <laughs> uh, so I'm just—I I hate to spill the beans, but uh, from five to to one on tsn's list it goes like this dry kucherov matthews mckinnon and mcdavid and on your list it goes mckinnon vasilevsky matthews kucherov and mcdavid so the biggest changes are kucherov four on your list two on on the tsn list or sorry uh two on on the ts oh boy two on your list four on the tsn list okay i'm dyslexic here and mckinnon five on your list and uh, two on uh their list so uh, take us through all of this now that i've confused everybody
3: Well, it it shouldn't be that confusing. When I submitted my list to the powers that be at TSN, I said, you know what? Tell the other voters that they were included in it, but my list should just be as is. You should just present that as the top 50 because it was accurate. It was logical and everything that goes with it. So all kidding aside, now you got to ask yourself, am I kidding? (laughs) But so, so, okay, McDavid stands alone, right? I'm going to give you a little trivia question here, Mr. Taddy. Name Uh-oh. the two players uh, that uh, scored 30 or more points for their respective teams in back-to-back playoff years en route to the Stanley Cup prior to oh. Nikita
0: Kucherov. Oh, boy. You got me on that one.
3: Lemieux and Gretzky. Oh. Kucherov is an elite, elite company. He's won yeah. a hard trophy. He's won a scoring championship, led the playoffs in scoring en route to two Stanley Cups. He's number two for me. He produces McKinnon's a brilliant player. I know that one thing that he's shown the last couple of playoff years, it gets into the hard areas. It's not a lack of effort, but he hasn't been able to accomplish as much. Do I think he can? Yeah. Do I think he's learning? Yes. But the bottom line is he's been uh, shut down because he's a classic case of trying to do more, but sometimes less is more. I think that he'll learn that. But right now, Kucherov doesn't have to prove that to me. Matthews, an elite goal scorer. Vasilevsky, five straight series-clinching playoff wins with a shutout, including two where he got to raise the Stanley Cup immediately after that. He's the best goalie on the planet, and he's a difference maker. So I love McKinnon. Sorry, you're not in that same category.
0: Well, I mean, you're you're doing heavy leanage on on the uh, on the playoffs, which is fair. I I, I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and I I guess you know we could have 15 different lists here, and and we'd have 15 different debates. Um, you have uh, where do you have Marner? Uh, you have him at uh, Marner 16 on the TSN list. You have him at 20. How did you get there?
3: Well, let me just say this quickly too. So 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 what 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 is this called? The top 50 NHL players. It it doesn't say top 50 regular season players. It doesn't say top 50 preseason players. It says top 50 NHL players. I use all, all, all areas of examination. And what are we going to say now? The playoffs don't matter? Really? <laughs> okay, go on that argument. The playoffs matter. Kucherov is delivered. Vasilevsky is delivered. More than McKinnon is delivered. End of rant. Marner? I don't know. I mean, is he 16? Is he 24? Is he 23? He's the first team all-star right wing last year. He was number two on my ballot. I had Ranton in one. Could somebody convince me that he should have been one? Yeah, no problem. I think he's a real complete player. And I think that he's, a, he's one of the league's best players. So he's 20, but I don't, you know, you start to look at some of the players that I have ahead of him, including Miko Ranton in Mark Scheifele, Patrick Kane, Artemi Panera and Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, can we make the case that he might be higher than that? Maybe. He's sure I could. But that's where he fell for me. And, you know, quite frankly, again, playoffs matter to me, Jim. You can dismiss them all yeah. you want. They matter.
0: No. <laughs> No, of course. They're, they are the defining moment, really. I mean, that's, that's where you find your, your true value of anybody is in the playoffs. I, I don't have any argument for that. I, I guess, you know, as I said, you could have 15 lists and 15 different debates. So so let's move forward here. Um, Austin Matthews, how does he follow up a Rocket Richard winning season? What do you think he does this year in terms of goal scoring?
3: Well, I mean, when you start to look at what Austin has done, why don't we just go back from day one, game one of his National Hockey League career? I mean, he, he, he showed right at that moment in time how good he was. He, he, he has done nothing to diminish that belief that he is, right now, the game's best goal scorer. So, you know, like will he score 60? Will he score 45? You know, what will his goals per game be? We don't know, you know, where, where injuries come he, in. He's an elite goal scorer that has continuously been able to progress in, in, in his abilities to score in different ways and multiple ways. And we're talking about a young man who is just 24 years of age. You know, if, if we're starting to talk about entering, you know, some, some prime years, you know, there's no question in my mind that he is, he, if, if you're asking me today, who's the front runner to win the rocket, Richard, I'm, I'm going to put Austin Matthews at the top of the list because how he does it. And, Uh, the the proficiency in which he he does it is to me right now, you know, does he have an equal? Yeah, maybe one or two, not more than that. And right now I think that he stands at at the top of that list as goal scorer. So, you know, how, how do you follow it up? You just follow it up by being what you are. And that is an elite goal scorer.
0: Okay. So let's, let's put you back in the GM's chair. You have a rocket Richard winning uh, center. You've got an all-star, first all-star right winger. What is the job description for the left winger on that line?
3: Yeah, you, you, well, you know, we saw what Zach Hyman did, and you, you know, and, and, and described it. You, you know, one of the things is, is that, uh, not one of the things, I, I would narrow it down to two things. Number one is, do you understand who you're playing with? I just read a really interesting article uh, about Marilyn Mew. And, uh, the best line he said he ever played on was with Kevin Stevens and Rick Talkett. And he said it was fun. And, you know, Scotty Bowman put that line together. He talked about it. Each of the players talked about what they brought to, to the game. The, the one thing that just kept coming through in that, in that piece was Kevin Stevens and Rick Talkett knew what Mario needed. They knew what Mario needed. They knew what Mario needed. They knew what Mario needed the number one thing is you better know what Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner need. (laughs) That's number one. So what do they need? You know, when Austin Matthews is open and and, in a spot, you better get him the puck. Mitch Marner, when he has the puck, you better be ready to get the puck. So now what does that winger have to do? You know, whether it's Nick Ritchie or whether it's Michael Bunting or, you know, we talk about Zach Hyman in the past, right? Like different players that have played there. It doesn't change. So Nick Ritchie, let's just use Nick Ritchie as an example. Nick Ritchie, in and around the net, you better be ready to put pucks away because you're going to get a lot of good opportunities. Nick Ritchie, you know what, you, you got size. I'm not telling you to run over people, but you better win battles for the puck one-on-one. And you better understand when you have the puck and if you're not in a good shooting position, get it to the guy that knows how to finish a hell of a lot better than you. Those are the two things that the left winger needs to know. And and that when we talk about complementary pieces, Jim, you know, complementary pieces aren't just skill. And I'll give you an example. When Phil Castle got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins, everybody, oh, he's going to score 60 goals playing with Crosby and Malkin. Oh, really? He had never scored 40. So, like, now he's going to score 60? And everybody makes that leap that because Phil's skilled and he never played with those guys, he didn't play with them very often because he wasn't a complementary fit for what those guys needed. Keep in mind, the first thing always starts with, what do your top players need? And if a player playing on that line, he can have the greatest skill in the world. If he doesn't understand that, it's not a fit. Number one, you better understand what Matthews and Marner need. Because if you don't, I don't care how fast you skate, I don't care how big you are, I don't care how well you uh, 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 pass the puck, if you don't understand what they need, you're not going to fit.
0: Lee's made some moves yesterday nick robertson sent down to the marlies what was your take on his camp
3: you know what jim i'm i'm going bigger here it's not about the camp i'm disappointed in the toronto maple Leafs. remember remember last year in december what happened with nick robertson oh no he can't go to the world junior team he can't go and play at the world juniors you know he, he's past that oh really So Nick Robertson misses out on an opportunity to compete in a best-on-best competition. And, you know, the Leafs, you know, he ended up getting hurt and, you know, didn't have a real big piece of it. Now he's in the minors. Really? You needed to keep him out of the world, Junior, last year? You really did, did you? I'm disappointed in Toronto Maple Leafs. I'll never be disappointed in Nick Robertson. I think he's a terrific prospect. Just because you're in the minors today doesn't mean that's where you're going to end up. And I think that he's got a bright future in front of him. And I think he'll realize that may not be ready right now. I want my disappointment to be very well expressed. And it's in the Toronto Maple Leafs decision not to allow him to go to the World Junior last year. So,
0: so when he's on the Marleys, I mean, what does he have to do in terms of his game? What does he have to work on to, to, to raise an eyebrow or two? You,
3: you, you, Jim, I'm not trying to say this in a, in a way. He scored 50-plus goals in the Ontario Hockey League. He's an elite goal scorer. He's a top offensive player. Just because you have that, you know, I don't think it's so much about what he, I mean, do what you do best. Do do, yeah. do the things that you do best. And, you know, with it's going to come physical maturity. Keep in mind, Nick just turned, uh, you know, 20. He just turned 20. He's a September 11th birthday. And you know, you look at, at, at him. So the physical maturity, being able to handle the challenges, the rigors, the day in, the day out, right? But but just keep this in mind, Jim. You know, a, 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 a very very successful player, a player that was proficient in, in junior, came in. You know, at, during the during the lockout, uh, not the lockout when the pandemic began. You know, the season got shut down. He joined the Leafs, played in that playing that return to play against Columbus, quitted himself quite well, right? But one of yep. the things, and this is why I'm so disappointed in the least decision last year about the World Junior, and I expressed it at the time. So this isn't revisionist history. So, you know, he, he's now gone a year or longer than a year without experiencing significant success. Goal scores. players need to feel that, they, that, that they've had success. There's a huge difference between thinking you can and knowing you can. So get down and play. He, he's going to go do that. I have no doubt about Nick going and doing that. He's going to go and do that. He's going to go and play. Now let him grow. Let him have that success so that he understands that he doesn't think he can. He knows he can. And when you go, the longer you go without having success, you start to, you, you start to doubt yourself. Make no mistake about it.
0: Uh, Let's uh, sort of slide over to the Jack Eichel situation. Dreg's reporting that interested teams have been given additional access to his medical files, and the Sabres are hoping a deal can be worked out soon. Uh, This is such a precarious situation because we're talking about an injured asset that then has to be treated or have surgery and then has to rehab. I mean, there's a long window here. What is the best fit for him, do you think? The
3: best fit? right now for for Jack Eichel he just failed his physical jet what team is going to trade for him he's got 50 million dollars on the books okay owed to him okay we know what he is as a healthy player but he he has this uh, this injury failed the physical hasn't been able to play there's the, there's dispute on how he what, what what procedure is best for him right like, so a team is going to trade for a player with a $50 million obligation, and they're going to have to give up significant uh, 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 players, prospects, or draft picks to get them? I mean, I mean that's what Buffalo said. I, I keep hearing the reporting that Buffalo's ask is pretty significant, and other general managers are talking about, oh, my, oh, my, like that's a pretty significant ask. They think it's exorbitant. And now because they have access to the medical records, they're going to pay the exorbitant price? I don't think so, Jim. I think until Jack Eichel gets healthy and playing, unless the Buffalo Sabres are ready to take on some, some monetary responsibility and ask for a lot less, until Jack Eichel gets back playing, I don't see a lot of teams interested in trading him for Buffalo's asking price and with the obligation financially owed to Jack Eichel.
0: Totally with you on that one. It's just a weird situation, to say the least. Let's close on this one. Uh, Brady Kachuk in in Ottawa, you know, he wants, according to reports, a bridge deal. They want a long-term deal. You know, what is the compromise, or is there one?
3: There may not be one, Jim. I mean, one of the things when you look around the league and you look at the precedents, I mean, his older brother Matthew signed a bridge deal. Uh, Elias Pedersen signed a bridge deal. Uh, Zach Lorensky signed a bridge deal. Uh, Matthew Barzell signed a bridge deal. Uh, y- you know, you have, you have deals like Kaprizov signed, Matthew signed. I mean, those were five-year deals. So while, while the team has a desire to lock them up long-term and the uh, player wants a bridge deal, you know, there's, there's a lot of elements that go into that. Why does the player want a bridge deal? Well, I mean, maybe he's not you know, with the cap and understanding what revenues are going to be in the future, you know, you, you want to protect yourself. You don't want to. You don't want to undersell your value, so you want to see what it's at. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not dumb enough. I mean, despite some people telling me I'm dumb, I'm not dumb enough to not think that Matthew Kachuk wants can or no, Brady wants control over his career, and he may not want to stay in Ottawa long term. Ottawa Senators fans don't want to hear that, but that's where you get to. Uh, a stalemate. So, but the parameters are there for a short-term deal. They're there for a long-term deal. The player right now is sitting down going, okay, you know, I, I don't want a long-term deal. The senators are saying, we do try to make sure that they have certainty with them longer term, that they don't lose a player. They dropped in fourth overall and really value. But you know, now as as the days roll on and Brady isn't playing and you know, without playing, you're not getting paid, and you know where does the where does the pressure points come? But I think that that's where it's at. I mean, I, I, quite frankly, I mean, if, I, I don't see the Senators might want an eight year deal unless they're going to pay him significant dollars on an eight year deal. I'm talking significant, and, and and it starts over ten. I don't see Brady Kachuk ready to go and go go that path to to, to commit. So. Uh, the Senators in the room and, the, and the Brady Kachuk camp are going to have to ascertain what's best because the Senators, you know, they can play hardball. Brady can play hardball. Neither one of them are gaining, and sometimes a compromise has to just be, okay, we're going to do a three-year deal. You know, I don't think you're going to do a four-year deal. Could you get to a five-year deal? Eight-year deals I don't see happening. Four-year deal I don't see happening. Maybe a five-year deal is something that could work.
0: Plenty to talk about. Craig, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim, sir. <laughs> Mr. Craig J. Button, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that Otto uh, West situation, we'll talk about that when we come back. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, live in your radio, live streaming and podcasting and on-demand in Apple CarPlay and Android Auto through the iHeartRadio Canada app. Now,
1: back to Toronto Today.
0: Welcome back to Toronto Today. Jim Taddy reporting to 1 o'clock, and it's gameplay with Matthew Cause. reminder, and overdrive today at 425, Ross Atkins will stop by, general manager of the Blue Jays, uh, to sort of uh, send everybody into the offseason. The, the brain press is speaking today, so maybe a tip or two on, on where this thing goes. J. Lou, Josh Lewenberg is reporting that uh, the outstanding second dose has been administered, which would mean the Raptors are two weeks away from being considered fully vaccinated As a team, Red Sox 6-2 over the Yankees last night. That's it for the Yankees. It is detailed earlier. The sixth inning last Thursday was the Yankees' last offensive display of the season. Hard to believe. Garrett Cole, two innings pitched last night and got absolutely blasted. uh, And he just wasn't feeling good about it after it was over.
3: Can you describe the disappointment you're feeling not
2: getting the job done? Sick to my stomach
0: yeah I mean it's just you you your whole season is just wasted away in two innings of work that you're not happy with, and that set the tone for what didn't happen the rest of the way for the yankees and and Aaron Boone the manager says uh, well, everybody's caught up to them. This was
2: not an easy year for us. You know, when we had to play well the final two months, I thought we did that. But the other message is that the leagues close a gap on us. We got to get better in every aspect. It's just getting a little bit better, you know, because it's not just the Red Sox and the Astros now in our league. Like, you know, I mean, look at our division. The Rays are a beast. Toronto, and there's some teams in the Central that are, that are getting better and better, teams in the West that are better and better. You know, that needs to be, you know, front and center as guys prepare uh, in the off season and get ready for, for spring training next year.
0: Well, if you want a team that the, the the season wasn't easy on, that'd be the Blue Jays with the uh, three different uh, permanent homes, if you will, Dunedin, Buffalo, and then Toronto, and, of course, a home game in Anaheim. And their climb to the top was similar to the Yankees. It started a little later and got uh, just a game less than the Yankees, but, uh, you know, they had the ultimate uphill climb. And, and But the message is the same. You always want more from your players, and so the Jays head into the offseason trying to figure out what to do with, with Semyon and, and Robbie Ray, and Dave Festchuk was of the opinion. They signed. Robbie Ray. I mean, I could go either way on this particular subject. I mean, I think there's another Simeon out there, but you'd like to keep the guy who's still here. Hopefully he'd want to play second base. And the Robbie Ray thing is uh, there's got to be another pitcher out there uh, that you could find and tweak his delivery and, and come up with that kind of a performance, but but who is that and are you assured that it would work out? Uh, this, is, this is the problem they face and, you know, when you consider they're in the division with the Red Sox and Yankees, it's historical. They spend money and it's kind of a corporate decision on where this thing goes next but we'll see they did a really nice job last offseason in fact the best in the business and are now obligated to do the same so it'll be interesting to track going ahead Uh, we're trying to find out about hutch don't have an answer if he cleared waivers or not that'll come up on gameplay with matthew cause that is next thanks for stopping by and again leafs lunch returns next tuesday enjoy your afternoon